Welcome to No Stone Unturned. Let's go. Welcome back. What up, mother lovers? What is this, bro? Is this episode... Ocho. This is episode 8. It is. Can it be episode 8? Time flies when you're having fun, baby. You know what that means, right? That means that we made it over the hump. <laughs> it's like in a marriage when they say the first five years are the hardest, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you exactly. make it after the five years, you'll be okay. I heard it was the first seven years, but it probably... Yeah, maybe it's gotten fewer <laughs> maybe maybe in europe it's a little harder out there <laughs> but uh, i read somewhere no i i saw it somewhere in some uh, online thing that most podcasts don't go or last past episode seven yeah so, you told me about that landmark yeah man i'm excited <laughs> i'm excited let's keep this thing going today we're talking about death and reincarnations Mm-hmm. And on that note, just to change things up a bit, actually, it's not really to change things up. It was just totally by random chance that I came across something interesting that I thought would make a good fun fact. And Frank was gracious enough to let me present the fun fact today. <laughs> <laughs> let us know, man, what you got. Let me, let me uh, pull that up real quick. This is appropriate, not just because of the death topic, but because of this current pandemic, epidemic situation. What is the difference, actually? I need to look that up. But this corona situation. So everyone knows about... uh, Sorry? Pandemic is worldwide, and epidemic, I think, is more of a controlled... Oh, so this would be a pandemic. So... um, Everyone knows, everyone's talking about quarantining these days. And while I was looking up some info on the death topic, I actually came across the origin of the term quarantine. And apparently, back in the, I guess it was the early 15th century, so 14-something or other, um, when the Black Death or the plague was making its way around Europe. Uh, It was mostly transmitted or it mostly made its way around Europe through the ports. So the ships would come in with um, the sailors and uh, a lot of rats (laughs) that would live on the ship. I hate rats. And the plague was transmitted or was carried by mainly either rats or the fleas that... um, infested the rats Uh, so either if you got bitten by either one of those um, they would transmit the disease and so a lot of these ships would come to port and then obviously these rats would make their ways off the ship make their way off the ship and and well you can imagine the rest so at some point uh, some town in italy i can't remember which one right now i i lost a page sorry but they started to basically react to the to this situation the way we start we are doing it today in terms of quarantining they would keep the ships out 
they would not let them dock in the port for a period of 30 days. And the 30 days was meant to give time to make sure that no one on there was sick. And then they could come to port and they called that a Trentino, you know, Italian mm. for 30. Uh, funny enough, later on, that was increased to 40 days, oh. um, which the Italian term is quarantine. Uh. And that is the, origina- the original, the origin of the word quarantine, because when the ships were would, would arrive, they would put them a quarantine in, and leave them in, in the uh, outside of the port for 40 days. And then they could come in and dock. Quarantine, meatball, piece of pie. That is very interesting, man. That is very, very interesting. I also found that interesting. Appreciate you bringing that to the mic today, Cynic. That's pretty cool, man. Just doing my part, people. Just I'm thinking about how nasty the fleas on the rats were, man. And the rats in general. It's like... And I have a question. That, that does bring me to ask... You know, well, one thing, there's two things that I hate. Cockroaches and rats. I can't do it, man. Like, I can't. There's just, it's not negotiable. <laughs> and there's something called the German cockroach. What I want to know is, yeah, how the hell did the German cockroach <laughs> get here in the States? Somebody's bag, a ship, a plane. It probably arrived. Th- oh, that is. Yeah. You know what? That. So I don't know how much you remember because you were really small. But when we actually lived in New York, before we moved to Miami, uh, we lived in, you know, an an apartment there and mice and roaches was like, they were basically like our roommates. Well, you know, you know what? I'm so glad you said that because it completely explains why I have a phobia of those two things now. (laughs) It's all coming together now. Wow. (laughs) Oh, that is disgusting. Those were those were not good times, man. Those were Is that why we had Misty? <laughs> yes, that's why we ended up getting a cat to help and deal with the mouse problem that we had. Because after trying all the traps and everything, like they just keep coming. You know, the traps are not enough to control them, at least not with the level of infestation that that apartment building had. So when we got the cat, as you said, Misty. Um. Yeah, she was, then, then then they disappeared. Either they stopped showing up or she caught them and she would leave them in front of the kitchen doorstep <laughs> for us to as, as a prize in the morning. Yeah. So, um yeah, but that obviously that didn't do anything with the roach problem, but I just looked up this German cockroach on, on Wikipedia and there's a photo and it just flooded it just the memories came flooding. It's disgusting. Back. <laughs> Because that's what they look like. I assume that they arrived the same way. The, the I yeah, mean, okay, I mean, these these insects have been around longer than any of us. So who knows what roaches were already, you know, uh, in the States. But I wouldn't be surprised if these arrived, you know, in ships the same way uh, rats yeah, arrived in different countries through ships. Oh, man. <laughs> That just gave me chills. <laughs> Over here, we have a lot of... We live near a forest, so we have a lot of uh, spiders. I don't have a problem with so, spiders, man. I know a lot of people, you know, have their phobias. And I, I love that we're touching on this already because on the back end of this episode, 
Um, once we start talking about reincarnation, we're going to get into to some interesting stuff. But a lot of people have phobias for spiders. I don't mind spiders. I just don't mm-hmm. like rats and roaches. Because rats and roaches come from filth. Spiders are just existing, you know? And yeah, you can get... Yeah, you can get bit, and obviously you can have an allergic reaction. I get that, but they really won't mess with you, man. You know, unless like if you're like in the forest or something, and you can get bit. No, I agree. They they don't. Even when we come across them here, it, they're they're just there. But I've I, we were talking about that the other day. I have such a problem with them because they're just so creepy. They're such they're such creepy insects or animals. The spiders. Yeah, because they. They just stand still like statues. Mm -hmm. And so you don't even notice Mm -hmm. they're there most of the time. It's just like you turn around and then it's just there. (laughs) Unlike a roach, but you'll notice it moving, you know, or a mouse, you'll notice it run by or you'll hear it. The spiders, they're just creeping all the time. They're just standing there. Yeah, but they're eating little insects and doing doing work, you know. As long as they stay up in the corner, (laughs) in the top corner of the ceiling, they're fine. They'll survive. But if they come down into my domain, <laughs> the days are numbered. What I've always wondered is those daddy long legs that come out of the tub. Mm. Why do those particular tiger, um, tigers, <laughs> spiders, live like in in those pipes? <laughs> I don't know. You know. Mm, I don't know either. Actually. We actually have. Um, I saw in my backyard the other day a possum, or possums are. Aren't they creepy looking as well? They are, man. And you know what? At first, because of my phobia and fear of rats and mice, just disgust for them, I always kind of wrote them off because I always saw them as a big rat, right? But then I started learning about them, and they're actually really good for the environment. They don't, they can't, um, they can't get rabies. They can't contract rabies, for one. They eat the fleas mm-hmm. and ticks, which are good for your dogs because they stay off of your dogs. And when they get scared, they play possum. They play dead, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> the thing is, is that it has that ugly face, those ugly teeth, that long tail. And you're like, man, that's yeah. the rat's cousin, you know? But it's nothing like a rat, man. And actually, people, like, there's certain people in the country that have them as pets. Like, there's here in northern Florida, there's, like, <laughs> there's like festivals. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's a little much. But, um, yeah, they're very social, very friendly, apparently. I mean, again, I don't know if I want to get that close to it, but have you ever seen a possum with its carrying its babies? No, I don't know if I've ever seen a. Are they called a? Are they called possum it's, or it's opossum? opossum? But it's okay. I don't know I'm, if it's pronounced possum or if we just dropped O because we're lazy. But it's technically opossum. Yeah, I've never seen one in real life. I've only seen what? photos, and they don't. They don't. Their look make, does them no favors. Oh my gosh. I remember one time I was hanging out in my my uh, friend's backyard. Um, Marianne and Senya, shout out to you guys. This was back here, back then when you lived in Miami. And uh, we're chilling, and my back is to the fence. All right? So we're sitting, like, in a square table, and all of a sudden I see their eyes get big, and I'm like, what? And they start, like, freaking out. I look behind me, and there's this freaking 10-pound possum just walking the fence, just chilling, bro. And I'm like, oh, party's over. Time to go inside. But yeah, he was cool, man. He was he was lax. He was chill, you know. Just stay over there. <laughs> well, we. Uh, so this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll get to the actual <laughs> subject of the podcast. Because we just saw the other day we were going for a walk, and uh, we were walking down a main street actually, and just happened to look down the the driveway, 
of a uh, of a house and in the driveway like down near their garage door uh, was a fox and it's and it's baby mm. and we were surprised because you see foxes here all the time actually they're just running across places and you know i've never i've never seen a fox you haven't seen an opossum i haven't seen a fox like in person yeah 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 i also until i got here i didn't see them either but it's kind of i guess native here so you see them quite a bit but i've never seen one with its baby with its young Mm. and um they're quite interesting to look at because they kind of remind you of a could be like a dog. Man, but my mom used to have a Pomeranian named Teddy. That boy looked like a fox. He was a stud. R.I.P. Teddy. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, so, yeah. Enough about that. <laughs> Let's get into it now. Death. Death, death, death. Yeah, man. I wonder, are you... Uh, you brought this up before. You mentioned it before. Uh, in one of the other podcast episodes about the fear of death and you were saying that you're not really afraid of death anymore i'm more comfortable with the idea um i think before i would think about it and i would like literally be paralyzed with you know that the thought of not having uh, a life (laughs) anymore you know and not knowing what what happens after um but i think as you mature and as you you learn more about life and kind of you know, you understand that it's a cycle. We're all connected. And I mean, that's part of the contract, right? Yeah, we can, we can live this life. We can have these experiences, good or bad, but we all know that eventually we got to go, you know? Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough for me <laughs> because I feel like I am a little more comfortable with it, but I struggle with it. When people that I care about leave and pass on, you know, it's mm, something that yeah. I, it's it, it rocks me, man. It really does. Um, so, yeah, I'm more comfortable with the idea. I understand that it's the way that things need to happen. I don't I don't know if I'm so much afraid of it anymore. Again, I'm not welcoming it. You know, I'm trying to live a little longer about, you know, 60 more years will do. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, again, more comfortable with the idea, but definitely um definitely rocks me when when i when i lose somebody you know close to me i um the reason i bring it up is because when you're looking into this subject inevitably you come across a topic of fear Mm -hmm. of death and apparently it's such a big fear among so many like a lot of people and it made me think about how i view it and I realized that I don't I don't know if I would say and, and I don't know if other people would also differentiate it this way. But when it comes to the question about whether I fear death, it's not so much death that I fear. It's the manner of dying that mm. I think worries me. You know, I think that's what kind of concerns me more is, you know, dying, you know, like yeah. a violent death death or a painful death or something like that i think that is more the the thing that kind of makes me think um when it comes to death itself and just coming to terms with you no longer being um 
you know, alive, no longer being on this earth, uh, in this physical existence anyway. I don't, I guess I don't think about that as much, if at all, because I still, I think part of me still is pushing it like that's nothing I have to worry <laughs> about right now, you know, so I don't yeah. contemplate it. Um, I guess a lot of people really start to contemplate it when they really hit, you know, old age or when they get like a terminal diagnosis. That's when they really start to think about their mortality. And that's the difference. You know, the, 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 your mortality is one thing. The manner in which you die is, is a different thing. And I wonder how many people actually see it that way, that it's they're, they're more worried about that. Or if maybe the, the majority of people really are just concerned about where they will go and not being here. I found that interesting. I, I don't know how other people see it. I, I Me personally, and, and then I'll let you go, uh, or I'll let you talk. I don't... Um, I... I don't particularly have a comfortable... Um, relationship is not the right word, but I, I don't feel particularly comfortable around death as a topic or as a, you know, as a situation. So I've only been to, I think, in my entire life, one funeral. And though I've known people who have passed away, our grandmother obviously passed away. I've never been there um, either when it happened or afterwards for like the funeral like I said, I've only been to one and that was last year. And I have seen uh, dead bodies in my life, two of them. They they were not um, so related to me in any way. So it didn't really impact me. Where did you see but, them? Um, the first one was when I was in the military. Uh, I was, you know, I was in the fire mm -hmm. department. And we got a call one night for a parent suicide in one of the dorms. And I was really, really new in this particular, on this particular base. I had just transferred there. And so the guys, the, the other fire firefighters, me being new, you know, when we got there, cops were already there. Some people, some fire, firefighters were already there as well. And they had already been inside and it was clear that this person mm. was already deceased. Um, but we got there and the guys told me just to go in and have a look. I don't know if they were trying to mess with me or what. So I did. And then I saw the, you know, the dude there laying there. It was a strange situation because it was apparent. It came in as an apparent suicide. But he had a knife sticking out oh, of his chest. Shit. So I don't know how that worked. And I never really asked afterwards. That was actually the second time. The first time was when I was still living. I was still in high school. And a friend of mine, her boyfriend, did commit suicide. And I saw him at the actual wake. Is that what they, they call do it? Work. The Here in the States. Yeah, when, 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 when the body's laid out and, and mm -hmm. people come before to the, the burial. Before the burial, yeah. So those are the only two times. But I don't I don't particularly yeah, I, I haven't really made I guess peace with the topic. Again, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't say it's fear. It's just. It's just like an uncomfortable thing. I also don't know how to talk to people, 
who are dealing with it. I, I don't know how to, I don't know what to say. And so that makes me feel also It's a weird, weird thing. It's a weird thing. Uh, for me, I think I'm not so much worried about how I go as far as it being painless oh. or not. Yeah, that's why it's very interesting hearing your take on it. Because I have a different one. I'm not so much worried about how I go. My thing is going. You know? Um, I think we've yeah. all been in places before where, um, you know, we, we, we struggle with our own demons and we're not the happiest that we can be. And even maybe it can get to a point where depression hits, you know? And I know when I've been in my dark moments, um, I never feared how I would go or if it would be painful. I was just, I was just more distraught about leaving, leaving the people that I love behind and, and then the unknown because the unknown, like if there isn't an afterlife or, you know, if, if you don't go into another vessel, i.e. Uh, reincarnation, right? Reincarnation, if there isn't yeah. anything else and like, I, that's what, like, that's what scares me that this is it, mm, you know, because yeah. obviously I don't want to get decapitated because <laughs> that fucking sucks. Right. <laughs> like I, I say that with a grain of salt because, uh, you know, obviously there's things that I'm like, man, yeah, that, that's, that really sucks, you know, but I think that'll be that'll be quick, <laughs> you know. Something like that happens, you, you know. Boom, you know. Sometimes you don't even feel it. But down, but what yeah, happened I next? I don't think. Yeah, what happens that, next? It's like know. if you know if you're close in you know close proximity to a bomb. You know, sometimes you're so close to it that it just they don't even find your they don't find your eyelids to ID you, <laughs> you know, because you're just blown into smithereens. But I think you, you've seen three, man. Do you remember when our cousins had um, an unfortunate passing of their father? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that. That was my first experience. And I was a little shithead. You want, you want to know why I was a shithead? Because I was running around in the funeral home. And I remember my mom had to tell me, yo, stop running and sit down. And that, you know. Oh, How man. old were you? I had to have been like. Six. Come on, man! You you don't know anything. I know, yeah. I was age. just a little kid, but I still remember that. I still, I still. I I I don't remember it, bro. To be honest. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I remember the when when our same cousin's uh, mother passed. I I was not there. Um, but when I heard about it, I was like, I was just, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I feel to this day so bad that I didn't call them, but I didn't because I didn't know what to say to them. I didn't know how I should say anything to them. Um, and it's funny cause I see that sometimes you see that kind of behavior depicted like in mm. movies and shit and I watch it and I'm like, but really that makes no sense and then in those moments when you're in that situation uh which like i said i've been a couple of times uh i i i get it i mean i guess that's where they get get it from for the movies you know there's some truth to it and, and i've definitely been in that situation where i like i don't know how to console that person what to say and so because often in films, you know, people who are suffering through a loss like that, you'll see that some of the people around them don't know how to behave or react. And so they avoid them. Yeah. 
And it was always a behavior that I thought up until I dealt with it was so weird. But I get yeah. it. Yeah, I remember when that happened, man. It was, uh, for me, again, when I tell you that when I lose somebody, you know, that's close to me, it really fucks with me. Mm. And that was really tough. I cried a lot, man. It was really tough. And I couldn't even go to her funeral. You know, I, I yeah, it was, uh, I remember, so, so strange. And I don't know if we want to keep this in the podcast. We can decide on the editing floor. But I remember our mother telling me when she saw how I reacted to our cousin's mother's passing. She was like, you were so hurt and distraught by it. I thought to myself, does he care about her more than me? <laughs> you know? And that's yeah. such a weird thing, you know, because... Obviously, that's our mother, man. Like, I don't even want to think about that. You know, when, I don't even want to think about it. We'll just leave it there, you know. But it's, I don't know. It was, it was a, a I didn't know how to react to that. Because I, obviously, I was kind of going mm -hmm. through my, my grieving and, you know, just kind of, I mean, I have so much memories with her, you know, growing up and going and visiting our cousins and sleeping over and her always being so full of life and, you know. I don't know, just, just mm -hmm. being her, you know, and then just like, like that, you know, that's, that's what gets me, man. It's, it's the leaving, it's the leaving. Obviously the, the suffering is tough when you hear somebody, you know, has lung cancer, you know, they can't breathe, you know, and, and you know that it's, it's a strenuous ex exit for them. That always sucks, man, because it's like, damn, you know, mm -hmm. like if it's going to happen, just let it be because this person's suffering, you know? But it's it's the fact that they're gone, man. You know, I don't know, man. I hope that I hope that uh, one day we could we can reunite. You know, one thing about um, and we we spoke about. I don't always want to bring up religion because <laughs> it's not not what this podcast is about. But one of the things in <laughs> in the Bible that I always was really bummed about is it said that when when you go to heaven, if you go to heaven, if you make it there. You won't have any relatives. Right? You won't remember your fa your brother, your father, your mother, because it's a different it's a different understanding, right? Everybody's, I guess, your brother in that case, and that always rubbed me the wrong way because, like, man, like, I remember, man, praying. <laughs> I remember praying for you, you know, and praying for Gerald, praying for us, um, man. just for your souls, you know. Um, one of the things about you know, the Bible is that it says that you're, you know, you won't know your family in the afterlife. And that's something for me that I always struggle with because uh, I want to be with those people in whatever capacity that is, you know? I wonder, like, I've never, I've never heard that. I'm really curious about the, like, why it even says that, because it sounds like something that would be, obviously, like, it hurts it hurt. It would be hurtful. I don't understand the context of where that would that would be in the Bible or why. Or why and then, what's the point it? of having family? Then you know, what's the point of building a bond with these people? <clears throat> yeah, I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I I feel. I guess it depends on how much you believe in in 
you know, in the story of the Bible as it as it uh, as it's described. Um, I don't, which is why I can, you know, I, I, which is why I think we, we see that or feel differently about that. Yeah. Um, I can say I feel different about it now, but I remember it really upsetting me. Yeah. You know? When you were younger. Yeah. Cause this is yeah. when I was a lot younger. Now I think this was a time where I was, um, cause as we mentioned before, we were raised Catholic, but there was a point in time for me personally that. I had some friends that were Christian, and I started going to a Christian church, and I even thought of getting baptized, right? So, and I've always been a very, until this day, I'm a very spiritual person. I, I pray. I pray a lot. I pray, you know, I'm I'm connected to my higher power. It's just the, the whole religion thing, and we've spoken about that in previous episodes, so no need to go back to that. Um, but this is a point in my time where I was, you know, really trying to figure out spiritually at a young age, you know, where where uh, where I wanted to go and what my path would be, and you're always taught to to um, to pray and connect, you know, with with that being, and yeah, that that's something for me that always rubbed me kind of the wrong way. I just I never got it. I think this is part of the problem with the top with death as a topic, death as a like an experience. It's because nobody actually knows what happens when you die. Nobody knows that. Every person or group that tells you they know is just guessing or you know putting their faith in some description of someone that someone had who happened to maybe have had a near-death experience for example because there's a lot of that um but nobody really really knows and nobody will know until they reach that point but because nobody really knows there's so much there's so many possibilities, you know, like the one you mentioned, which is a really sad, you know, thing to consider. I'm sure there's also people who believe that you you do, you know, see your family again, yeah, right? Because you always hear or, those stories of till we meet again and, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, personally, if I had to subscribe to something, it would be more that you know you you if you have any consciousness or memory of of a of a past life or if we're talking reincarnation past lives plural mm-hmm. that um yeah maybe it's possible that you do encounter i don't it's weird to say it but in the form of some kind of energy because if if we survive, we're surviving as some sort of energy. And if some if energy can have any consciousness, then you would potentially meet everyone and anyone like that's ever lived, including those people that you had close relationships with, that you were family, that you were you know part of a family mm-hmm. of or whatever. Um, yeah, if I had to subscribe to something, it would be that more than anything, to be honest. So it's interesting. I guess that's it's what, interesting you mentioned yeah. the energy portion because I think what got me feeling a little more again comfortable <laughs> with the idea of um, eventually that that day happening is understanding that our body is a vessel, you know, and the vessel. This is the vessel mm-hmm. that we're using here. 
um, at this time, you know, but our light and our spirit and our soul, that's everlasting. You know, that's, that's something that will never or should never, you know, be dimmed. Um, and I really started believing in that and in, in how that could, you know, really, really be true. I mean, we don't, we don't have the, we don't have the answers, right? And a big, a big thing, or we don't have all the answers, better said. And a big part of fear is the unknown. You know, we fear we don't, what we don't understand, uh, what we can't wrap our, our minds around. Um, but I think when you start thinking of it in that, in that fashion, like you said, you know, as far as energy and we're all being connected, there is, uh, you know, something to look forward to if that's, if that makes sense, but it makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, to anybody else, but there is kind of something to look, to, to look forward to in that case. But just, I, I don't know if, if this is it, I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't wrap my head around the life that we're living here in the, in the physical. Um, if, if this is it for us, you know, I don't think it can be. I don't think it can be because it, it's an annoying analogy to make. I'll admit it. But if you really think about it and go back, 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 backwards, yeah, to before modern humans and proto humans and, you know, whatever, apes. You can go go all the way back to um, the whatever the beginning was. You know, everything that exists and that ever will exist comes from some kind of a source. If it's the matter that makes us up in terms of our bodies, that's made up of material that comes from the stars, mm. literally. If it's your the energy that you want to that makes up your spirit or your soul, however you want to describe it, that also comes from energy that came from everything around us, actually, because energy isn't created and it isn't destroyed. I mean, that's a scientific, uh, um, a I don't know, fact. theory I'm or whatever. Fact. I'm, a, I'm, I love energy. <laughs> I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it. Yeah. So. If, if you think about it that way, we've always been in some, just the, the question is really whether we maintain some form of consciousness in different, in a different state, right? And that's hard, you know, there are people or groups that go into that and think that any, everything has, you know, I don't know if consciousness is the right word or life is the right word, but that everything has like a spirit even inanimate uh, mm. objects that's going, you know, deep into that uh, direction. I don't know if I would uh, uh, subscribe to that, but um, regardless of that, you, you know, it, you can't deny that everything that makes up us and, and the world around us comes from the, the energy and the matter that has existed before and will continue to exist in the future. So I don't think we just disappear. Like, <laughs> I mean, disappear is probably not the right word because it probably seems like that's exactly what we do. <laughs> but I don't think it's just like, boom, and that's it. I, I Maybe our energy takes different forms 
and who knows maybe part of your energy goes into i don't know flower or an animal you know but i'm talking about the energy level consciousness is a different thing um maybe that's what that's why we have such a hard time with this because we have consciousness and we can think about these things animals don't worry about dying right they worry about surviving so they have they have um they have a, a, yeah an innate fear yeah. because they they have mm -hmm. a drive a a um what is the word always when i need the words they're not there <laughs> well the whole predator and prey thing i think you know and they understand kind of yeah exactly they they understand that they need to preserve themselves but they don't go around like worrying about whether they should you know cross the road or they might get hit by a car i mean probably some of them have learned to worry about that because of all the roads that now exist in their area but you know it's all um instinct is the word i'm thinking about they live based on instinct instinct yeah. right we're we've gone beyond that and you could argue we've gone too far past that that we don't trust our instincts anymore and consciousness is what drives us and that's also what drives all these goddamn questions that make us worry and make us neurotic about stuff yeah man it's uh it's funny because you mentioned consciousness and uh you mentioned how it's kind of perceived differently um compared to us you know versus an animal and um it uh, makes me think man um you know if our energy is recycled in some sense right and we do come back as something else maybe there's like a a ladder so you start as a snake and then you die and then you become a lizard and then you become a bird yeah <laughs> and then eventually you become that, a human. <laughs> so maybe we were we were all maybe we were a tick at once and we fought our way <laughs> we fought our way to this Don't point the Buddhists where we have human bodies something like that i'm not sure i i, I'm, I can't i can't say yay or nay on that i think there's some religion that sure. believes uh i think it's the buddhist because i think it's also tied in with karma and whether you come back as something i don't know how to define it more or less or primitive more or less primitive or i don't know what but you can in 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 that religion the belief is that you can come back in various forms i don't know if if you progress up a ladder or if it's random, I, I don't I don't know about that. I didn't look into that, but it's definitely an idea out of many, out of many that people have about what could happen if you are reincarnated. What could happen to you, your soul? Whatever. It makes sense why why I feel the way I feel about animals in captivity, because maybe at one point in time I was that fucking lion. Or I was that dolphin. Because, man, I, I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel so strongly about animals being captive. You know, we spoke about it in that Tiger King episode. We, we, we spoke about it in the second half of that. And I don't support those establishments. And, you know, I don't knock anybody who does. I understand we have families. I understand we have kids. I get it. I'm speaking for me and how I live my life. But think about it. You know, maybe, maybe I... I kind of feel that way because in some way, in some fashion, I was I was there at one point in time, you know? Yeah, it could be that. It could also be that you it's just crazy. have empathy 
<laughs> no, I didn't mean to be. I'm not trying to be a smartass. I'm saying it could be either or, right? It could be that I, feeling. Or, I, you know. I, I get it. I, I do. But it's not. It's deeper than, than being empathetic for me. Oh, okay. You know? It's it's deeper than that. Yeah, it's like, man, I feel. I feel this fucking, this animal. I feel. It's And it's different having a dog in a crate. You know, a crate training a dog or... If your dog chews up the couches when you leave, you don't leave them loose, so you put them in the crate. As long as you let them out when you get home, that's different, you know, because dogs could be rascals sometimes. Um, I'm talking about animals living in cages, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's you're, you're right. Maybe I'm just being empathetic, but I, I don't know. I, I feel I feel something more, and I think that's what drives people. You know, I think people feel what I feel times ten when they go and they now they become activists, and you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your quote-unquote Carol Baskins <laughs> that are supposedly here, here to help save and preserve, but they're doing the same thing that my boy Joe's doing. But maybe those people, you know, feel that even stronger because to think about it, to dedicate your life to, to saving animals, don't get me wrong, it's a great it's a great gesture. It's, it's something great to do. I get it, but to dedicate your life to that, there has to be something driving and pulling you there, man. You know? Like, why not just go start a family and live your life? And and I and I get these people because remember I, I I do feel I'm not I'm not saying that I don't want them to do that but just if you think about it like why would somebody dedicate their lives to keeping animals out of captivity you know mm. maybe they feel something on a deeper level you know maybe I don't know there's there's a lot of question marks in this episode man I wish we had more answers but well I have some answers <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> I can tell you, this kind of goes into fun fact territory, but sometimes this is also interesting because when I found this out, I somehow felt relieved. So if I were to ask you how many people you think die each day on Earth, what would you guess? I know there's about two people die every second, right? If I'm not mistaken. I honestly have no idea. I was looking at a clock, and it supposedly was real time. And I let you know every time there was a birth, not a clock, but it was a, it was digital, so it was just numbers, right? So let's say a thousand, thousand, one thousand, two, right? So it said birth, and death, and mm-hmm. I believe every second there was somebody being born, but every, um, for for that same one second there was two people passing away. That that death number was ticking a lot faster than the birth number. I don't know how accurate that is. Maybe that's some Joe Smo that, you know, just, I mean, you can, you can guess with the, with the population, when you think about the world, you know, there's people dying, you know, pretty frequently, but I remember I came across that, but uh, what, what do you got? I mean, do you want me to guess a number? Am I, am I not playing the game? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It was just curiosity. I was, I was shocked by that when I came across, cause I was like, man, like, there's going to come a day that I'm going to be that number. And life, life's going to keep going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing's yeah, going to stop. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Well, the only... Th- so, the reason it was so interesting for me is because I guess... I guessed, you know, we're, we're on this planet. We are how close to 7 billion now? It sounds about right. 7 billion, I think, people. Uh, so I thought the number of people who die on the planet daily was like very, very high. 
just because of how many people we are on the planet. But the number of people that die every day is around 150,000. Which daily, okay, it is a lot, but somehow I, I would have assumed or expected more. Yeah, because remember, we're talking about the entire planet. It's <laughs> a lot of people, man. Every day. <laughs> Every day, man. Hundred, about 150, 151,000 oh, people. So what, what gave me relief is now <laughs> causing you stress. You know, we're at 300,000 in two days, man. This ain't looking good. Yeah, but yeah, but you have to then add to that how many are born, right? It's not like we're just decreasing. I actually saw a, population. Yeah, I actually saw a chart that we're, we're steadily increasing. increasing. I think it was numbers compared like from two thousand to now, and that thing is just spiking up. The rate of birth, the birth rate is at about three hundred and sixty thousand per. Yeah, day. more people need cable, man. Too much, too much people. I, this is going to go slightly <laughs> off topic. Don't forget where you are and you're, as far as your train of thought. But I want to say this. I really do think that people mm-hmm. should, everybody shouldn't be able to have a kid. You know what I mean? I feel like there should be. Oh, yeah, I agree. Either. <laughs> um, I don't want to say an implant. I don't want to say an implant because, you know, that's that's coming. So, but I, I don't know. There should be. Ah, no. Whoa. Castration. There should be something that prevents <laughs> you from having a child. Until you prove to an entity that you are a sane individual, that you have your crap together, that you're not, you know, you know, messed up in drugs or living check to check, you know, whatever the case may be. Because remember, you're responsible for a human being now. So if you're struggling as an adult, right, your child's going to struggle if you're not setting yourself up. I do think that there should be measures, you know, think about how much irresponsible people there are in the world that don't think about those things that are just caught up in in the lust of the of the moment not only do you have a parent that their life is you know not going really well but now you've given that child even less of an opportunity to come out ahead because they're struggling they, they didn't ask to be to, to be brought here you know so i do think that we need to figure something out i don't want to say it's like a driver's license so you got to go take a test but we need to figure something out bro because I think we have a lot more, a lot less murderers, a lot less rapists, you know, and don't get, don't get me wrong. There's people that come from Ivy League school that will rape a, a woman. You know, we've seen that several times. You know, those things don't just happen because of a, of a rough childhood. But I do think that those things don't help. You know, I do think that those things, you know, yeah. do add fuel to the fire. Some people are pieces of shit no matter where, you know, no matter where they come from. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that. I don't think everybody should fucking have kids. I agree with you completely, and especially since uh, my wife works as a kindergarten teacher, and I know some stories of oh, how parents sure. can be. Um, and and, I, and it's not even in, in terms of like abuse, physical abuse or anything like that. It's just in terms of how um, how how little regard they seem to have for their kids in terms of how, you know they like some parents she knows that some parents don't work for example they're not they don't have a job so technically you can send your kid to a kindergarten for a few hours so the kid has some exposure to other kids you know learn some social behavior 
and get the kid and bring the kid home. But there are some parents who sit their asses at home and don't have a job and send their kids to the kindergarten for like eight hours, which is completely unnecessary, especially in a situation like it is here where kindergartens are overflowing with kids. They don't have enough kindergartens for kids. So, you know, the, the demand is super high. Um, the kindergarten teachers are like stretched to their limits trying to maintain, you know, they can't really help like give the kids anything more than just watching them and making sure they don't you know, hurt themselves. And you have parents doing stuff like that. So, yeah, um, I, I agree. The, bad, the, the problem is that the same thing that causes people to be shitbags, which is just the fact that they're human beings, will cause the people who are responsible for making the rules about who is allowed to have kids and not to eventually uh, abuse that. And if you find yourself or I find myself on the list of not being able to have kids, you know, then that's the problem. It's like who polices that? (laughs) And at what point does that, you know, those regulations start to include people who shouldn't be on that list? I mean, I wouldn't say I should be on such a list. I wouldn't say you should be on such a list. Right. But that would then be out of our hands. You can't trust people to do shit like that. To manage that's, stuff like that. That's one of those things, man, that if we've spoken about it before that, you know, if there is, you know, if there, if there are pearly gates that we visit, one of the questions that I'm going to ask, you know, that's one of them. You have parents that are good people, you know, that they want nothing or adults. You have couples because, uh, you know. If they can't have kids, they're not parents, obviously. But you have couples that are good people that really want to have a child and can't conceive um, for whatever reason, whether it be the female, the male, or both of them. And you have these pieces of shit, you know, that don't care about (laughs) anything conceiving, you know? So why reward them, you know? That's a demiurge, baby. (laughs) Why? There you go. Um, In reference to my sister-in-law being um, and and seeing that, you know, being in, in, in education... Um, and seeing that firsthand, I know for me, with my years in um, in education, that that's I that's part of what drives me to think that not everybody should have children. You know, I I was fortunate enough to to build a program where we created a family environment, and yeah, we were competitive. Yeah, we were tough on our students. Yeah, we challenged our students. But so so does life. And all I was doing was getting my kids ready for the real world. You know, there was nothing that I could have put them through in any camp or any rehearsal that wasn't going to, you know, that was going to compare to to the stuff that they were going to face once they left, you know, that nursing, <laughs> that, that, that nursing um, environment, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, teaching for as long as I have, uh, 16 years, you can imagine some of the stories that, that have come across, you know, and when you find out that you're, you know, what you're creating is the only sense of family that this person has because when they go home, you know, mom's doing this, dad's doing this, you know, they're not really, they're not creating an environment for their children at home where it's safe and comfortable and, and they can thrive in, right? It's, it's uh, abuse, it's, it's fear, it's manipulation. When you see those things firsthand and then you realize what you're doing you know, is really helping this individual, that's, that's when it really clicked for me. So I can get what my, where my sister-in-law comes from, you know, obviously I was dealing with older kids, you know, they were a little farther along, 
but you still see the shitty parenting <laughs> on both sides mm-hmm. of it, you know? And like you said, man, if, if you're home on your ass for eight hours, you don't got a job. That's the, the type of decisions that piss me off. You know what I mean? Like get your ass up, change, change, change your situation. Yeah, it's you know it's I mean? often, not always, but it's often the, I mean, I'll say it, it doesn't sound good, but it's often the lower income uh, families that run into that kind of trouble. Uh, not always, like I said, plenty of families where they, they struggle, but they, they make it work. They sacrifice what they have sacrificed to make sure their kids grow up well and have a chance. But often, uh, without getting political here, uh, because I know a lot of those kinds of families are, they're stuck in a cycle, right? Cause they're living in neighborhoods or whatever, where they just don't have any way to get out of it. But, uh, maybe those are the places where they need more support before they can be allowed to have kids. And it's, it's funny that you said that because I was going to um, interject and say that that's exactly what's going on. We need to break the cycle and they need to break the cycle. You know, obviously you can have somebody who is well off be just as lazy, right? Because they've been given everything to them. Um, obviously, it's it's a little different with them because their kids shouldn't be missing meals because whether their parents have money or they inherited it, whatever the case may be. Um, if you look at it objectively, it's two lazy people sitting on their ass for eight hours. One has money, the other one doesn't. Um, but I do agree that you, you do see more of that in the lower income, you know, community. And mm-hmm. and it sucks. It sucks. It, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I have... A few more facts that I wanted to share Talk to that me. I find interesting. So remember I said about 150, 151,000 people die each day. Of, of those deaths, there are a certain number of people who die so-called natural deaths. So uh, just, you know, they're just, they're, their body is just done. It's old. You know the whatever the cause is but it isn't like suicide it isn't an accident and i was talking about this with my wife i don't think it includes any any illness either like cancer so this is just like regular death uh which is called that's another interesting thing it's called senescence so senescence refers to a living be- being that's able to um uh, you know, live and survive, but eventually dies from old age. That's that's the definition of the term senescence. And the number of people who die of that 150,000 every year from senescence, so-called, from natural death, is about 99,000, so about two-thirds. That makes me feel better. Exactly. That also made me feel better, because remember I told you at the beginning... One of my concerns is how I would die, right? So that (laughs) increases the odds a little bit, you know? Um, But that was also surprising to me because all you ever hear about is, you know, the really bad and sad ways that people go. But apparently it's still a greater number of people that that just pass away due due to old age. Know what I mean? I do know what you mean. I remember when I was younger... I was like, man, I wish 
you know, when, when it when the day when the day comes, I just want to go on my sleep. Everybody says that, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, as far as the natural the natural causes being, uh, you know, having a higher number than like a cancer or an accident or this and that, it's a, a really comforting man because obviously we we don't want to. You know, we don't want to suffer. You know, part of my, maybe part of my, <laughs> my reasoning, and it's not so much how I go for me, but the fact that I'm going is because I, I feel like I've, you know, man, you know, life, life can kick you in the nuts, <laughs> you know? So it gets to a point, you're like, man, come on, like, <laughs> bring, bring whatever you got, bro. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I want to say, because I'm not a hundred percent sure about whether the, Two thirds or the ninety nine thousand is people who have illnesses. Maybe that is included in there. It's just does it's not specified. But what it definitely doesn't include is, you know, accidents, suicides, murders. So it could be that illness is included, but there you go. What for whatever that's worth. Another interesting thing that I found regarding senescence and living beings that live you know, a life and then eventually die of old age. There are a few organisms that actually theoretically um, can live like uh, forever. (laughs) I don't know how to get this out. (laughs) (laughs) Biological immortality is what it says. Um, They are like some very specific kinds of animals that apparently either I'm not sure why it is but they they they've been known to live like some of them in the case of some of them hundreds of years so um, I have a short list Uh, there's a particular type of turtle I found this on Wikipedia by the way called the Blandings turtle Um, this one lives to about 77 years so I'm not sure why that's included in biological immortality. These these all have some number of years, but um, compared to us, uh, most of them live like far beyond. Yeah, this is the the the, the least number of years. The Blanding's mm. turtle. But then comes another um, animal called Olm. O L M can live up to 102 years. There's an eastern box turtle that can live up to 138 years. There's a red sea urchin that can live 200 years. A rough eye rockfish that can live 205 years. And there's an ocean quahog clam that can apparently live up to 507 years. Put that in perspective. uh, One of those clams that might be alive today could have been alive in 1520. So you telling me that we got the short end of the stick with this whole lifespan thing? Well, no. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, when it comes to lifespan, yeah. But I don't know. Like, you can't really compare our lives to their life. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a choice. You could be a human being, and cause I think our lifespan is what about seventy now, average. You could be human being. I think being it's and above it, that. Although it, it probably depends where you live. Yeah, if you're in China, I don't know, but um. Well, let's say 80. It's definitely more for women than it is for you and I. Well, yeah, 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 you and I, numbers are against us. But you have, you know, you come to a fork in the road and like, all right, 
do you want to be a, a clam and live for 500 years? <laughs> or <laughs> what do you decide? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was also kind of interesting to find. That's really interesting. I don't get the um, the immortality part, though. Yeah, they, they label it biological immortality. Um, I don't really get why. Maybe maybe they could theoretically continue to live, but because of some other, you know, outside forces or whatever, they don't. You know, maybe the their environment changes, for example. You know, I don't know. I would have to look into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, it just caught my attention because anything that said immortality, I mean, for me, that was all kind of science fiction. So yeah, I was looking yeah, into yeah. it and these were the, the, the animals that they, that they list. But of course, I think the way we think of immortality, just in sort of the mundane way, it's probably still not the case that anything mm-hmm. lives forever. Forever. Yeah. Well, hopefully our energy does. Hopefully our soul does. Yeah. But that remains to be seen. We'll find out. I think that a great opportunity to talk about possibilities of our soul never really perishing. For Something me, like reincarnation. Yeah, reincarnation, man. For me, when um, I came across this book, and um, for anybody listening out there, it's called Many Lives, Many Masters. I believe it's by Brian Weiss, if I'm not mistaken. For me, when I came across this book, uh, I didn't. I didn't. Some. I think somebody recommended it to me, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it's about reincarnation." I was like, "All right, whatever." <laughs> so I read this book, and it, it it flipped me upside down, man. Because not only was I, you know, not only did I, I was like, "All right, everything everything you thought you knew, you you don't know." You know, if if you want to choose to believe, you know what what you're reading, or it's just all bullshit. But I couldn't, I couldn't come to terms with it being bullshit just because I don't know, man. You can you can feel like when somebody's bullshitting you. I, I guess you know. I don't know. I mean, there there are great storytellers out there, so maybe this person is just telling a great story and it's all made up. But mm-hmm. or maybe it's my. You know, my desire to hope that there's something more out there for us, something to look forward to after after this life is gone. I don't know what it is, but um, just to kind of, you know, run down it briefly, it basically was about an individual, this uh, female, that went to the psychiatrist. Um, her name was Catherine. And um, it's funny that, that we talked about phobias earlier at the beginning of the show because she was suffering from panic attacks, fears, phobias, depression, um, couldn't take medication because she had a long life fear of gagging and choking. So like uh-huh. for everything that she was going through, like she couldn't, she couldn't go the medical route because she was even fear of choke. She was even afraid of taking the medicine, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then no- nothing was really working for her. So after um, traditional psychotherapy and, um, and that not working, he went into hypnosis. And when he went into hypnosis is when he started unlocking um, these different things. And um, it actually, he actually came across that in her past life, um, she drowned in one of her past lives because she had several past lives. Mm-hmm. Um, she drowned, you know, which which um, explained her, her fear of, of water and swimming, you know. And the more and more they got into it, they started again unlocking more and more things to the point that she started connecting with his son that passed away and his father, I believe, 
if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if his father or or his spouse. I believe it was his father. So we start with psych- basic psychotherapy. That doesn't work. So he goes into hypnosis. That starts unlocking, unlocking doors. He is not somebody who believes in reincarnation. He is not somebody, you know, there's not, it's not like he's somebody who's leaning towards that. So, oh, it's easy. Oh, I knew I was right. No, it, it, you know, he never even thought that that was anything, you know, that, that was worth attention. But she was being so detailed in speaking about her experiences in her past lives that he was like, I'm going to let her go on because it doesn't sound like she's making this up. <laughs> and all her fears and phobias, once she started talking about them, um, they started leaving. You know, uh, you know, now she, she didn't have the fear of, she didn't have the panic attack. She didn't have the fear of water. She didn't have the depression anymore. She didn't need the medication. All she needed to do was un, kind of un, you know, tap into, to, to that subconsciousness and, and kind of, I don't know, give that life so she can let it go, you know, but she had several lives. I forget how many, and I don't want to misquote it. Because it is a great it is a great piece of literature, and I do definitely recommend if anybody's interested uh, to pick up the book and read it. Um, but for me, it really started, you know, making me look at things differently because reincarnation is, is taboo in a sense. You know, there, you know, there is for some at least, right? There's one life. Mm-hmm. After that, you know, you go you go up or you go down. Um, but this this lady, she had she had several 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 lives. And it it flipped everything upside down for me, man. Because for me, it was just it's something that that uh, that I didn't believe anybody was making up. If that makes any sense. So you you feel that that's something you could believe in. That that's something that that could be an explanation of what happens once we pass. I do believe in it. You want me to blow your mind? I have. You said you do. I do believe in it. And, yeah, and okay. I'm going to blow your mind right now. I don't know if I'm going to blow your mind, but I'm going to tell you something that I... It's interesting that I'm going to tell you on the podcast and I haven't told you personally because we've had several heart-to-hearts. Um, I have this memory in my brain of me being in this dark room. I, I would I would say it's space. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can connect with it as somewhere in the stars. And I want to say it's kind of like a line and I'm waiting for my turn. And when I get to the person at the very, at the front of it, which is, I, I see it as a judge almost, the person that decides the life that I have, they tell me, this is going to be your next life. And I remember... So you don't get to choose? No, you do not. The way the way, okay. the way my vision is, I do not get to choose. I remember going back to the, you know, after I was told um, what my next life was going to be. I remember going back and saying, yeah, it's going to be tough, but it's going to be really like there's going to be something that really great comes out of it. Like I, I know that I was looking like, yeah, it's going to be it's, it's going to be hard, but there's going to be such a, a rewarding payoff. And that's a memory that I've had in my mind f- since I can remember, dude. So when I come across this book and I think about that memory and, and it's, you know, it's not like a dream, a dream. You have a dream. You know, first of all, you may not even remember it when you wake up. And if you do, whatever, you know, it, it floats away. This is something that's imprinted in my head. And I hope I'm not scaring any listeners. I hope people don't think I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, I told you it's going to get a little weird, baby. But I have <laughs> I have this. I, it's 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 something that I can't let go. I can't shake. So when I you've always had I've that, as always long as you had remember? it, bro. I've always had it. And for me, it's before my life started, like 
I don't know how I make sense of that, but it, I know that it was. I don't know what what I, what I was doing before. I can't say what I you know. I can't connect those dots. I can't say that I was a farmer. You know, I, I don't know. You know, but I know that there was there was this you know something happened and there was this place that I went to and I had to wait to see the type of life that I had that I was gonna have next. And and yeah and. When when I came across that book, and then I think about that that memory that I can't shake, it's like, man, is it true? You know, <laughs> is reincarnation something that 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 really is is something to look forward to? You know, um, I don't know, but that's that's just something mm-hmm. I wanted to share with you, and uh, I think that's why, for me, that's um a book that that uh is one of my favorites for sure. I have it oh, in every version, hardback, audio book, I got it all. <laughs> I do appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure the listeners do as well. It's weird, I know, guys. I, um, I know it's weird, but that's the truth. I've had a weird kind of back and forth with the reincarnation topic because I always ended up with the same question, which was, what is the purpose of having, you know, coming back or reincarnating into different lives if you don't have any memories of the past lives. But you do. You know, and a few people seem to have them, but the vast majority of people don't. Mm-hmm. And so I would call the people who have those memories um, the minority, like very much the minority. Mm-hmm. So... For the most part, people don't have those memories. So what is the purpose? And I was thinking like I could for a long time, I couldn't really reconcile that. And the only thing that I've been able to think of that could explain it satisfactorily for me is that if it is the case that we do have that we do reincarnate, you know, that we do have multiple lives or live multiple lives, yet we don't remember them for the most part, most of us don't, then it's not meant, then then it's, it's not, obviously it's not for us to remember. It, meaning it isn't significant for us to remember in our life at that time because um, it has nothing, that previous life has nothing to do with the current life. Um, and let's just put aside for now the story in the book where obviously her previous lives were impacting her current life. But let's just say, you know, the reason why most of us don't remember it or remember them is because those lives are completely separate and have nothing to do with your current life. In which case, okay, if I accept that, then the only reason that this would happen, because it has to have some meaning for something, is that whatever the one source is that we come from, because there's this idea that life, you know, that our lives are really, that we're all, um, we're all, I think we touched about upon it at the Gnostic, in the Gnostic episode, that we're all like a spark mm-hmm. from like a bigger light. Yeah, right? I believe that. And that that light is trying to, experience itself through our lives and it's trying to experience 
any like every and all possible experiences, but it can only do it through us. And so if as sparks from that light, we take the form or we, we, we take we, we enter a life and then lead whatever life that is and have whatever experiences we have for us as individuals. And it, it sounds very much like we're just cogs in this in this scenario. For us as individuals, we live the life, we have those experiences, but all the experiences put together are not meant for us, but they're meant for the, the you know, the main source, the main uh, light. Um, it's meant for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining that well. And so if I think about it that way, I could... I could accept that as a reason why we most of us don't remember past lives. But it's kind of really on the edge for me. Uh, I, you know, obviously I, I'm not super invested in that. But like I said, it kind of gives me a way to understand why. Because otherwise, if we're meant to come back and actually learn from past lives, then we should remember them. Or remember, uh, if not remember them like, a, you know, a movie, but remember at least we should we should come back smarter about life but we come into the into our lives almost from scratch and have to learn everything from scratch and so that's the problem that i always had with the reincarnation kind of theory or idea i'm just sharing that with you know with with you guys because it's my my take on it my my kind of small issue that i have with it I get it. I get it. And, you know, I, I voiced earlier in the in the show that it's more for me uh, leaving and there not being anything else. Maybe I feel that way. Maybe I gravitate towards reincarnation because it soothes that for me. It gives me an yeah. answer, right? It gives me something to look forward to. Man, I, I just... <laughs> Oof. That's, that's... It's a... It's a touchy subject, man, because part of me thinks that if if it is true that we do come back and our and our light is 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 something that just carries on to a new vessel, um, maybe part of that is you know becoming a better person. Maybe we don't remember those things consciously, but subconsciously, maybe that that makes up our character because there's certain things about us as individuals that we can't explain. You know, we all have our, our, our things. We all have our, you know, our quirks. And then we chalk that up to character. But what if those things were molded by past experiences that consciously we can't put together, but subconsciously are there? And for Catherine, which is that, that young lady that was in, you know, the patient in that book that I described earlier, that's all they did is they, they tapped into her subconscious. You know, things that were there, but that she couldn't, she 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 couldn't put it together. Now, when we talk about my my current phobia and fear of rats and roaches, and we talk about that, <laughs> you know, even though it was a beautiful apartment, it, it still is a beautiful apartment. It's still in our family. It's huge. I I, I want to report, guys. There's no more rats and roaches in that apartment. All right. Um, once upon a time, there were uh, in New York City. Um, I'm sure you guys can understand, but that's a perfect example for me. I couldn't connect the dots that that was because or unfair to say that that's the reason but shit if i had to put my money on it you know i would say you know something happened in that apartment that my brother or my mother didn't see 
I was probably in a tussle with a mouse, and the mouse won. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I don't remember it because I was too small. So now, as an adult, I'm like, ah, nope, can't do it. You know, we got to throw away the garbage, got to wash the dishes, which is good to be clean, guys. You know, but you know, we can't do it because you, you don't want those you don't want those beetles coming in. You don't want you don't want to call those those animals, and you got to throw away the garbage every night. That's the way I live my life now. I'm a nut because I, I don't want to to deal with those to deal with those things. But that's a a, a perfect. But that's a perfect example of something triggering, you know, something in the brain. Me not really remembering until you told me, yeah, bro, that's probably because of this. And I'm like, oh, well, I was too small to remember, you know, but I know that it has effect on me as an adult. So for me, that's why I think, you know, I, I can yeah. I can see that as a strong possibility. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I, my, yeah, you know, for sure. I'm just uh, sharing sure. my uh, apprehension with it, my you know confusion with it i guess but it's also like i could totally see that and and in a lot of ways i agree with your with how you said that we're 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 born and some yeah we have some kind of a some kind of personality when we're born like you can see in you just before babies learn anything you can see them and some of them are different right uh, or they're all different some of them are quiet, some of them are, are smiling mm -hmm. and active, some of them are inquisitive, right? You, you're born with something, you start with something. And sure, maybe that comes from, you know, maybe those are the, the remnants of some life or lives learned, uh, lived and learned. But <laughs> then you are a part of by random chance, a family, and then a community that will also impact and play a very big role in the personality and the character you'll have. So at the very least, it's going to be really hard to make progress in terms of beyond one life. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking like really in terms of learning uh, and being a bit, you know, towards becoming a better being or whatever, mm. which presumably would happen over multiple lives, right? It would be really difficult to make progress when, when then comes all of these external things. And again, you do still have to learn a lot from scratch, especially in societies like ours, where we're not even, most of us are not connected anymore to things like intuition and, uh, uh, spirituality and whatever and even some of those uh, some, some of us who are connected to it are connected to it I would argue in a superficial way compared to those people who mm -hmm. live in who don't have the distractions that we have yeah. who really they, they live that life so it seems to me like <laughs> if that is the case it's a super inefficient way to learn uh, <laughs> to, to learn in general but what do i know very no and then as well we you know we spoke about briefly about building you know relationships and bonds with people in your family so what happens if you do reincarnate and you go to another family <laughs> you know like are those people not important anymore mm. you know but there's sometimes that you come across people at least for me i feel like we've met before sometimes i feel like i've met people's soul before i've ever met their physical form if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe this is me just trying to make sense of it again. But maybe they were my family member in a past life. You know, maybe um, there was a relationship there of some sort. Uh, but I do, I definitely do feel like there's certain individuals that there's just, I don't know, there's a sense of uh, familiarity, of comfort, you know? Definitely. And you just, you just met them. You just yeah, you just with. met them. And so, uh, I don't know, it gets deep, man. It gets deep. I think that some of that is probably, the way I look at it is, is that you're vibrating in a similar energy to mm-hmm. those people. And I think that's where that familiarity, familiar, familiarity, <laughs> familiarity <laughs> comes through, and that ease of you know talking with them and you know laughing with them, whatever the case may be. I mean that's how I explain it, and I think that's the point, right? Everyone finds ways to explain things based on what they are comfortable yeah. with, and from their point of view and their understanding. Oh, oh yeah, or where they are, where they are at that. How point far along? Life. Yeah. So there's one more thing that I did want to mention regarding the death topic. And, and this was also a bit creepy because I could totally see this becoming a phobia <laughs> of someone. And it's the premature burial. Oh, man. <laughs> this was really a what thing, if man. Claustrophobia. I mean, Maybe that person was buried alive in a past life. I'm just saying. No, Gotta sure. connect the like, dots. If you go down that road, this could definitely be a reason for having close. You know, if if you go down that road, you could definitely see this mm-hmm. as a potential reason why someone has an irrational fear of being in enclosed spaces. Yeah. But there were plenty of people who um, were apparently misdiagnosed as dead and buried. And were apparently not dead. So uh, I, I'll read you a little excerpt here that I found on this. And it says, writing in 1895, the physician J.C. Owsley claimed that as many as 2,700 people were buried prematurely each year in England and Wales. Although, esti- although others estimated the figure to be closer to 800, as if that's any better. So... these are people who were supposed to a little bell above the earth so that if you happen to wake up or whatever you know come to come to you could ring that bell and they can come and get you out of your freaking grave and another thing that i found Mm -hmm. interesting regarding this topic was what in trying to sort of deal with it and trying to avoid misdiagnosing someone as dead and burying them alive they had various ways of trying to confirm that the person was dead. Um, various tests uh, to test for signs of life. Yeah? From pouring vinegar and pepper into the corpse's mouth to applying red hot pokers to the feet or into the rectum. Oh! So imagine you were actually alive <laughs> and someone's yeah. sticking a hot poker Good up your... Local anal area well i think some i know some people that may not mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's um we got to come up with but i hope we found better ways i I actually it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a story that i came across this week that somebody was misdiagnosed 
Oh, really? She popped up. She popped up. Yeah, like she was um, already, I think, on her way to the morgue. And um, boom, she was in the bag and she starts moving and stuff. And yeah, they misdiagnosed her. And then the family was... The family then got mad at the doctor because they felt like the doctor... um, It was obviously malpractice, (laughs) what I was saying. But what was very disconnected was... You know, um, I think he went to, he's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, she, she's not going to make it or she had another um, episode. I don't know what it was, but I don't think the doctor ever, like, tried to revive her. He was like, all right. And he just pronounced her dead. Like, he didn't even try. Mm. And she wasn't dead, bro. So imagine, dude, imagine waking up in a freaking in bag. In a body dude. bag. Yo, that's freaky as hell. You're going to tell me that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a fan of enclosed spaces after that? Shit. Someone's getting in, sued. In this, life, in this life or the next, I'm not doing any bags or any enclosed spaces. <laughs> I don't did, care did if it's you, a public Have you bag. given any thought yet to what you want to happen when you pass? I want to be cremated. Yeah, same here. Actually, yeah. I want to be cremated and my ashes thrown in the ocean. Plans have already been made. What? Chill, and, dude. No, and that's that's another thing. That's another really weird thing. When you start to plan stuff like that, it's kind of like... It's weird. It's, yeah, like yeah, yeah. when family have plots and they're like, all right, I'm going to be, be buried next to this person. And, and obviously, there's something very cool about that. And not cool, that's the wrong word. But there's something, you know, um, that's that you can understand. Like, it's loving, right? It's I get it. But I don't want to think. I don't. Come on, there's so much more left for me to do here. Yeah, well, I'm gonna <laughs> tell know? you a story. I'm gonna tell you what initiated it, and uh, it's not a. It's a sad one. It's not a nice one, hmm. uh, because I also for a long time I thought the same. Like I got a lot. I still got time. You know, what the hell? I don't want to even think about that right now. What for? You know. But I guess it was. It wasn't last year. Early last year, my wife got a call from the husband of one of her ex-co-workers from 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 the the husband of one of her friends and ex-co-workers and i remember it clearly because we were sitting on the couch and she got the call and i could hear him you know over the phone because he was kind of speaking loud enough and he was like asking my wife are you such and such and asking these questions and i was hearing it i was like what who is this dude it's like a you know or um some kind of cold call for a sale or something. It's the feds. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then he told her who she was, who he was. And and I heard him when he told my wife that his, his wife passed away. Mm. And it was like a shock, obviously, for my wife. This was her friend. And, you know, she was hearing this on the phone. I'm hearing this, you know, kind of sitting next to her. And we're talking about someone who was, if I'm not lying, I'm not lying. I think she was even younger than my wife by, you know, by maybe a couple of years. And she had, they had a small boy, a a small son, and she was pregnant. And apparently she went to bed and he was, I guess he was working his shift work and, and he came home and his wife was dead in bed. And she apparently passed from a brain tumor that no one knew she even had. So if that shit doesn't hit home, nothing does. And that's when I realized I need to make some kind of plans because I can't just leave my family just, you know, completely unprepared. Because this is how quick it can happen. And we had just seen her 
like I said, this was early last year. We had just seen her the, the year before around Christmas time. We ran into her at a restaurant. And so I, I've, you know, I saw her, I kind of, I met her as well. And that, that was like, I didn't know. I, I, it was just, it was crazy. It was just crazy. There's no other way to describe it. And then I'm, I went to the funeral. Like I said, that was the, the only funeral that I think I've ever been to. Unless I'm forgetting one, which I, I hope I'm not. Um, and it was it was like a Russian Orthodox funeral. So it was really, you know, they were doing their, their thing. Mm -hmm. And her boy was there and he starts crying. And it was like, yo, there's no way to deal with that. You don't know how to deal with that. When the coffin is there and the family's all there and his boy, the little boy is, first he's playing because he doesn't know what's going on. And then I guess he realizes his mom's not there and then he just starts crying and it was just like, so all of that was like, okay, this, you, you really, you really don't know. You don't know. And you, at some point you really need to, to give it thought and not just plan for it, but you know, for the people you leave behind, but start living your own life accordingly because you ain't got, you know, an unlimited clock. That's a great, that's a great, <clears throat> that's a great um, way to come about really seizing the day, man. You know, um, I unfortunately had to um, say goodbye to one of my very close friends a couple years back. I actually want to dedicate this episode to him, if you don't mind, Cynic. Um, his, Absolutely not. His name is a Angel Baltadano, and um, the reason this sucks is because we talk about one day to another, right? Mm. Um, he was fine, man. <laughs> he was fine. You know, I I saw him. You know, I don't think maybe a week before he went into the hospital, we actually had uh, plans to play softball on Sunday. And the night before I was working late, at that time I was with a particular company or corporation, better said, that I'll, you know, I'll uh, uh, keep nameless because they ain't paying us for promo, so we ain't going to promote them. <laughs> but I was working very long hours, and I think it was the time of the year that, um, that I was working like 90 days straight or something like that. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it to the softball game. Um, I overslept. I couldn't make it. Um, he sends me a text and he's like, "Man, I'm really bummed that you couldn't come. If you didn't, if you didn't want to play, you could have just told me. You know, like I would have gotten somebody else." And I was like, "Nah, dude, it wasn't that. It was just I'm exhausted. You know, and I'm I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry I couldn't make it." That was the last conversation we had, man. Because um, yeah. about a week later, I found out that he was in the hospital, and he had cancer. And he has had he had cancer. Um, it was already stage four, I believe. It started in his testicles and went to wow. his lungs and ended in his brain. So when I went to go see him in the hospital, he was already in a medical induced coma. Um, so you talk about one minute to the next, man. You know, like we were playing, we had plans to play softball together. <laughs> you know, and uh, and then there's guilt too. Because you feel like you could have been a better friend. Um, yeah. So that was really tough, man. 
but I dedicate this uh, episode to him, to his children, to my girl Sylvia, which is his wife. Um, we miss you, brother. Hopefully, if reincarnation does exist, man, you're out there somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, I likewise, I, I hope you don't mind. I likewise dedicate this to Anna. Yeah, my man. wife's friend. For sure, dude. For sure. All we can hope is that they really did go somewhere else, somewhere better. Yeah. And um, that we maybe see them again. I know their light is shining, man. I know their light is shining. Where it's shining, I don't know. But I know they're somewhere, man. And uh, again, yeah, for sure, I, I extend my my love to, to Anna and Anna's family. I didn't know them personally, but if they're important to you, they're important to me, brother. So that's all I need to know, man, you know. Likewise, brother. Likewise. Yep. Then let's uh, leave the folks with that and wish them all well on their journey and hope that uh, they take care of themselves, of their families, their friends. Yeah. And live your life like it, live every day like it's your last. You never know. never know. You never know, man. Yeah, seize the day um, and um, don't take anything for granted, man, because you never know. For sure. I like this one. It was tough. All right, man. But it was fun. <laughs> Sitting through and walked across the